It's time for Fed Talk, the live show for Feds in the Know. From federal agencies to Capitol Hill, the attorneys of Shaw, Bransford, and Roth bring in experts from across the federal community to bring you inside the issues. Fed Talk is meant to provide general information about legal issues. However, the views expressed in this program are not intended to provide legal counseling. Listeners are cautioned not to rely upon any statements made in resolving legal issues they may face, but instead to consult with their own attorney about specific situations. Attorneys are not engaged in providing legal services while appearing on the program and are not responsible in any manner for the consequences that may stem directly or indirectly from reliance on any statement made during this program. Good morning and welcome to Fed Talk. I'm Julie Perkins. Today, I have the pleasure to be joined by three very accomplished individuals, as well as one of my colleagues from my law firm. I am joined by Ashley Axios, who is a federal um, public sector designer, president of the DC chapter of the Professional Association for Design, the American Institute of Graphic Arts, which I learned um, this week is um, has been around since 1914. That's pretty amazing. And a Gov Design Committee member, and you'll be hearing more about that later in the show. Molly Bates is also a federal designer and a .gov Design Committee leader. Jen Ehlers, who is also a federal designer and a .gov Design Committee leader. And Brian Griffin, the Director of Communications for Shaw, Bransford, and Roth. And today we're going to have a discussion on .gov Design, an organization facilitated by AIGA DC. And it's working to improve design standards across the government, which is something we're all looking forward to. So before we get into our discussion, I thought that I would give an opportunity for our three guests to say hello and kind of give a little brief bio about um, what they do and um, how they got there. So, Jen? Yeah, hi. Um, Thanks for having us. Um, I have been in the government doing design work for about three years now. Um, before that, I was at a very small design studio in the in the private sector, um, and I got into government because I saw what looked like a great opportunity to um, make an impact on tools that people actually are sometimes forced to use. It's the only option, um, so it made it kind of gave the opportunity to come in and make make a real difference and make things easier for people to use. Ashley, hi. Um, so I've been in government design now for four years. Uh, coming out of college, I knew that I wanted to use my design degree to do design for social good. Did a lot of work for nonprofits in the D.C. area, um, in the social good space, and really happened across the opportunity to work in government um, and had the realization that, uh, similar to Jen, that there's just a lot of room to do broad um work that will support everyday uh, American Americans um, just right off the bat. Um, and there's so many great agencies doing this work. Um, and from there, we kind of got into supporting each other as a community of government designers. I think uh, a group that's been a little bit neglected in the past mm-hmm. and uh, separated. Okay. Molly? Um, I came to D.C. to work as an editorial designer for National Geographic, worked there for about five years and made the leap to government Hmm. for much the same reasons as um, Jen and Ashley, wanting to have a sort of more direct um, impact um, for good using design. And so um, 
opportunity came up and I've been working in house at an agency and doing everything from print design to web design um, and uh, have just really enjoyed joining this community. Hmm. Well, I I want to hear a little bit about this. Oh, I'm sorry, Brianne. Why don't you say hi? Hi. (laughs) (laughs) And tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, I'm Brianne and I do um, the communications for Shaw, Bransford and Roth. Um, and included in that, I run our websites, um, which we just ran. Um, we just refreshed both of our news websites. Um, and I just love design. I mostly do digital, but I'm more of a consumer. I'm slowly learning, but I just love critiquing design. And I love how design can make the most boring topics so interesting if you have great design. Okay, thank you. Now, um, we I think several of us... T- talked a little bit about .gov design. Um, Who wants to describe? All right, Ashley, go ahead. (laughs) Um, So just to give you some background, um, .gov design came out of AIGA's, uh, you mentioned AIGA at the top, um, the Professional Association for Design, the local DC chapter. Um, uh, A couple of us were on the board at the time uh, of AIGA supporting with programming and making sure that we're um, supporting the design community locally. And we realized um, as government designers that there was a real uh, neglect and a lack of community in that space. Uh, so casually started a small group to see what we could do to, to tackle that uh, challenge and came up with uh, a meetup style group that didn't have a name at first. We started with our first event. We said, why don't we try asking an agency to come in and give a case study, mm-hmm. asking the community to come in and just participate and give us feedback. Um, and we got overwhelming support from the community with about 100 people oh, wow. coming out from across government agencies, some from outside government. But the first event? Yeah. Oh, first that's event. remarkable. Um, and so we asked them, you know, do you, do you want AIGA to be involved? Yes, we love having the support of a national organization. Um, how do you want this to be structured? How regular should it be? Um, how can we support you? And just started to get feedback from from the community itself and put out a very long survey, <laughs> <laughs> probably too long to, um, to find out what the struggles are and really started to identify that most designers in government are um, a team of one or just a few people. They... Um, don't get to meet with one another regularly. They struggle to find feedback. And they're really dealing with some of the in-house challenges that other designers feel, but um, with some uh, specific challenges to, to government that not all um, in-house designers can can necessarily appreciate or um, support them in. So, Like uh, what in particular? Um, you know, government's known for having some red tape. Yes, I thought uh, you were. I, you know, I was thinking it would be very yeah. hard the uh, to get things, um, the ideas moving forward to the right people, yeah, in the government. Right. You know, in large large agencies. Another um, level of complexity is five hundred eight compliance. So mm-hmm. making sure our web our web products are accessible yeah. for all Americans, and there are some right. very specific technical and design specifications that we have to meet um, yeah, legally. So yeah. yeah, legally. So it's sort of a specific technical. Right. Um, right. What's an example of one of those for people who aren't? So one you know. thing is like color contrast. So making sure that you don't have, you know, um, 
you know, light yellow type on a dark yellow background. That would be hard for someone with low visual mm. um, ability to read. Um, being able to tab through forms so that um, if you're oh. using um, a screen reader or some other device to get through a website, um, you're able to get through it no matter how you're accessing it. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Oh, by voice or by clicking or... Mm-hmm. Oh, interesting. Right. Okay. Yep. Okay. And then I noticed on some of the websites um, the ability, um, the need um, to have multilingual um, experts on the other mm-hmm. end to answer mm-hmm. questions. And you go to the private sector websites, you don't really necessarily have the diversity need. Right. It's, um, such, it's so interesting in government design and technology. You know, it's not a startup. It's not a technology mm-hmm. uh, company in private sector because you have to serve everyone. And there are specific requirements related to that. Mm. And so is, is the government, I, I, I don't want to, Let's maybe finish our conversation about um, .gov design. Uh, once you had the meetup, have you had um, uh, more meetups since then? And are you having anything perhaps today? <laughs> <laughs> um, absolutely. So for .gov design, we have quarterly meetups. And mm-hmm. uh, last year we had our first conference as well because um, uh, we realized one case study four times a year was only going to get us so far when the community is so diverse and has so many interests and skills that they're looking to expand on. Um, So we're looking at our second conference coming up on um, May 6th uh, here in the D.C. area. It's a Friday. Um, And AIGA is also um, supporting this community and um, others through programming throughout the year. And today we have an all-day workshop dedicated to uh, promoting gender equity in design, or um, in other words, making sure that uh, the design field is uh, fair uh, between genders, that women have the same uh, opportunities as as men. We kind of noted uh, before we started recording earlier, right, that um, there can be the perception that that the design field, graphic design fields uh, in particular, but I think this resonates uh, in different areas, is dominated by men. Uh, in fact, the design field is largely comprised of, of women, um, but the leadership can be dominated by men, That meaning that women aren't necessarily given the same opportunities uh, to, um, to rise to the leadership levels and aren't being given the same recognition or awards mm-hmm. uh, for the amazing work that they're doing. Uh, so... And is that in private and public sector? That's correct. Oh, okay, so it's not just unique to the government or... That's right. Okay. Yeah, because I had that perception. I thought it was male-dominated until I, you all corrected me beforehand. <laughs> I guess I think IT or I don't know. I have this I think it's a 1980s common... <laughs> stereotype, but... No, I think it's a common um, perception. So it's something mm-hmm. that we're looking to um, correct by showing these amazing um, women that have contributed. Um, Molly may be able to speak to some of her design heroes in the government space. I know she has a, a couple, but we um, there are people that don't get the recognition that they deserve for really impacting um, Americans across the country, in the government space in particular, but uh, across the design industry as well, public and uh, private. Okay. Well, I think we'll follow up with that, but right now we're going to take our... Um, first break 
Um, you're listening to Fed Talk on Federal News Radio 1500 AM, and we'll continue our discussion after this break and a word from our sponsor. Make long-term care insurance part of your retirement plan. Long-term care is expensive, and it's not covered by traditional types of insurance plans. With benefits designed specifically for the federal family, the Federal Long-Term Care Insurance Program offers a smart way to help protect savings and assets and remain independent should you need long-term care services someday. Start planning for the future. Take the next step and visit ltcfeds.com today. That's ltcfeds.com. Hey, welcome back to Fed Talk on Federal News Radio, 1500 AM. And today we're featuring a discussion on improving design standards across the government. Now, when I um, did my research for today's show, I um, found uh, something that I hadn't really thought about, I guess, because it was so uniform, it didn't strike me, was the National Park Service. Was that one of the case studies that you had during one of your meetups? Yes. Uh, can you talk to us about that? Yeah, this was um, by far the most successful and inspiring talk we've had so far. Um, Betsy Ehrlich from the National Park Service came to speak about her, I think, more than three decades of service at the National Park Service. Wow. And um, the kind of incredible legacy of in-house branding that they have built mm-hmm. um, at national parks. So it um, actually started with a um, a design from an outside designer who's pretty famous um, named Massimo Vignelli. He designed a grid system for them that you see um, across all of their brochures and their website and all of their signage. So it's that consistent black bar you see and then a really structured grid for the type and the um, mm-hmm. images. Mm-hmm. So when you go to the national parks, you get um, a brochure and it looks the same. You always s- know when you're in a national park. That's I mean, right. you do. <laughs> That's I right. haven't thought and about that, that. Right. And that consistency saves them a lot of money right. and a lot of time. And it also builds that trust that you know you're in a national park when you're there. Right. And um, one of the interesting things she told us was this consistency helps them uh, make things like the, you know, the signs you see at the national parks, the um, kind of roadside, you know, you're looking out on a vista and it's it's explaining the plants and animals. Um, Those are so consistent that um, anyone can design them and anyone can um, produce them. But they're like a very standard um, size and shape and design so that they're consistent all across the country. And there's tens of thousands of them across the country. And how long did that take to um, build upon and develop to the point where you don't even, it, you know, we all know what the Park Service brand is. Yeah, it's been over 40 years. They started wow. this um, system in the late 1970s. Oh, wow. And they really kept it really consistent and strong. And that's sort of the end goal dream state. Um, across the federal across government. Across the federal <laughs> government, but especially moving into those digital right. properties. Sure. Sure. Did the Park Service start out kind of when they first were branding all the parks? Did they start with this or did each park have its own branding and they all kind of had to corral them into this new branding? Yeah. So the Park Service is over 100 years old. So they, they had you know, oh, lots right. of different okay. branding and they had original logos. She, she walked us through the whole history of the logos and the, mm. the uniforms cool. and all of that stuff is just so interesting. And um, um, so, yes, it was definitely like a unifying kind of thing going forward. That's a huge process, yeah, with all of the parks to get them to agree to this one set of designs. Yeah, yeah I, I thought it was just because I was like, oh, but of course, uh, you know, they've done it without me even being aware. And I suppose that's all your goals for all your consumers like us is that we're supposed to like just intuitively know when we're at a government website or 
or how to maneuver around a various agencies' website. Um, and that brings me to this draft um, design standards that I've been hearing all about. Is that to help us, uh, the rest of the, the public, um, recognize government websites and sort of feel confident and trust in um Jen, you want to talk about that? Yeah, sure. Um, I the the draft web design standards um, started. I think we had at our conference last year. Um, Molly, Ru- Molly Ruskin came in to talk about it, mm-hmm. um, and it, at at that point, it was just a very early. Is this a good idea? Do we want this type thing? Um, and you know, I think there was a partnership between USDS and ATF, and they were able to build these very early draft standards um, very quickly in a span of like four to six months, I think. Wow. Um, And they, yeah, they worked together. They got feedback from a lot of different government agencies and talked to a lot of different designers and developers and asked what they want and what would make their lives easier in order to both have this as a starter kit, because what it actually is is a pattern library, and it allows you to quickly build a website, with, and it has those 508 um, accessibility parts built into it right out of the box. So you can, you know, start this and say, okay, you know, I have all these little bits of elements that I need to build a website or to build it. And it, it has built in all the UX features and the, sorry, user experience um, features and, you know. It, it should be so that we we feel like we're visiting the U.S. government writ large, right? Mm-hmm. In, in in with some personalization, I imagine, mm-hmm. you know, agency to agency, right? right. And you mentioned um, Molly Ruskin. Is she a federal? Um... Yes, yeah, she's part of USDS, okay. US Web, US Digital Services. Okay, you <laughs> and you mentioned another agency, eighteen F, and yes. that is, uh, as I understand it, within GSA. It's sort of a design that's team. Right. That's right. We had eighteen F come and speak at DACA of Design. Um, I think last year or maybe the year before, right when they had just started up. And um, they kind of came and did a panel discussion. And um, they're based out of GSA. Mm-hmm. And they um, serve all different agencies. So agencies can hire ATNF to help them with their digital services. Oh, wow. Um, but ATNF and U.S. Digital Service have a very tight partnership. So in some, in some projects, they're collaborating together. And for those of us that have been around, I mean, these are brand new mm-hmm. um, subcomponents of like USDS is in um, o- OMB. 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 Right. And um, within the last few years, right? That's right. Um, and what I understand from my from my reading is that um, the health, healthcare.gov website and, the, and sort of the problems developing it made people realize that they need some sort of um, expertise to come in. And I don't know, Ashley, can you speak to that or... Um, because you don't hear about any problems anymore with health healthcare.gov. That's right. So um, many of us know about the problems that existed. Right. Um, there was a need to have people come in from tech and design uh, fields to support in uh, solving that that problem. So uh, Mikey Dickerson was one of the the people that came um, from the private uh, sector. To volunteer in the public sector and really led a team in, in fixing that problem from the technical side. Mm-hmm. Um, and the president himself has recognized that contribution and the need for um, for that type of integration and uh, digital service. 
within government and uh, kind of, you know, it's a bit of a, a escal- commitment escalation, mm-hmm. <laughs> but got a, um, Mikey to go from volunteering some time for a week, a few weeks, a couple of months to leading up the U.S. Uh, digital services team in um, the Office of Management and Budget, um, where he's doing tremendous work to build. So he's still there. He the is. one who fixed a health there, uh, came in for healthcare.gov. That's okay. right. And so wow. they're looking to um, find those other um, areas where, you know, government's uh, lacking in technology and human-centered design and um, embed the right types of people to solve those challenges and in some cases build those in-house teams in the agencies that have been lacking them um, so that they can collaborate and work long term to um, solve future you know issues and just generally uh, be better government uh, service providers. Hmm. And then what I'm also uh, learning is that the VA is taking similar steps for not um, not so much for maybe the internal, but for the external um, consumer-driven portions of their website that they are revamping and retooling. And is USDS or ATF helping the VA, or, do, or are they doing that um, within themselves? Absolutely. It, well, it has evolved. Um, so Sarah Brooks is now uh, heading up a team there to make sure that they're using human-centered design practices, that is getting feedback from the end users, mm-hmm. imagine that, to, um, to make sure that they're providing services right. and um, that are meeting those, those users' needs. Um, and she, you know, also kind of came in from private sector, and um, I believe she was a um, presidential innovation fellow, um, which, uh, for those of you that don't know, is just a... Um, a six-month to year-long service in order to get folks to come in and help tackle some of these problems on the short term. Um, And she really knew that it was something she wanted to do longer term and she wanted to support with more. Um, So with the new head of um, the VA, um, she was kind of afforded that opportunity to head up a team and to really make change from the inside out. So um, and I think that's important so that it's not um, somebody from the outside always trying to understand the problem that can work for um, individual projects, but um, that people can start to develop an understanding of the overall needs of the veteran users. Right, that, right. And, um, yeah, it's easy community. to, like, critique from the outside and say, here's what, here's the package you need. I mean, you know, the government always hires all those consultants, but then if they're never really working with the people within and outside that actually use it when they leave. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's a sometimes a disconnect between the tools that they give you, which are great, but maybe not something that is necessary or exactly mm-hmm. um, perfect for, for the needs. Yeah, and we want to get to a place where we're, um, you know, have strong teams um, of designers and technologists in government where you you build a tool that meets the needs and then you keep iterating on the tool and improving mm-hmm. it so that as the needs change, the the service can respond. So it's not just one big contract that is executed upon and then it's done. It's uh, maintained over time. Yeah, I imagine there's that fine line. Um, I'm, I'm sounding like I'm going to sound like an old fart here, but change is good, but constant change is kind of irritating. It's like 
how I have to update my password all the time. If I keep going <laughs> to a website and it's different and I um, and I now don't know exactly how to get around it. So I imagine there's a balance uh, between updating um, and then having your customers, particularly at the VA, where there's an aging veteran going, wait, you know, I used to have to click this one button and now you want me to do something else. And um, so do you get any direct feedback or is that something that other people have to deal with? That's exactly what it's built off of, thankfully. So Sarah and team are working with people on the ground, getting feedback from those uh, veterans who are looking for um, uh, a particular service. They're, mm-hmm. they're um, a wounded veteran looking for medical service and to make sure that they're covered, um, making sure that they can complete that task as seamless as possible. So it's important that along the way, as they're building those tools and technologies to help them do that, that they get the feedback from the people who are using them. So in that way, those those small changes over time are in direct response to the feedback from the user um, and should be correcting problems that exist instead of um, evolving and, and adding more complication or um, inconsistency to the, the end product. Okay. Um, all right, so then I guess I won't sound like an old fart too much because you're, I mean, you've already great. taken people like me into account. But uh, some of the websites, uh, and we can talk um, after the break, have evolved. And um, I don't know if it's because you have these newer, smaller agencies that have been able to develop sort of from the ground up, and then other agencies have kind of fed off that. I thought maybe, Jen, you could talk about um, CFPB, which if you go to their website, um, it it's doesn't say to me I'm a government agency. It's very bright and clean and modern, and um, I, I really enjoyed kind of clicking around, and I've had to do so for work. Um, it is not an, uh, one that I dread. Um, and there, there's some other agencies that are a little, you know, um, uh, I guess more traditional and it's like, you know, finding a needle in a haystack trying to figure out just like a phone number, um, yeah. or, or finding an individual and you know that they are listed somewhere. Um, so it, um, but we'll take a break, I think right now and then go back to, um, sort of how the agencies are, are starting to develop and and feed off each other. And um, so we're going to uh, stop here for a break and continue the discussion after this break. You're listening to Fed Talk on Federal News Radio, 1500 AM. Make long-term care insurance part of your retirement plan. Long-term care is expensive, and it's not covered by traditional types of insurance plans. With benefits designed specifically for the federal family, the Federal Long-Term Care Insurance Program offers a smart way to help protect savings and assets and remain independent should you need long-term care services someday. Start planning for the future. Take the next step and visit ltcfeds.com today. That's ltcfeds.com. If you're a federal manager, you deal with a lot of information. Here's a tip on breaking through the noise. Join the Federal Managers Association to have a voice on Capitol Hill. And to get filtered news and information specific to managing your workforce, join the 50,000 other federal managers who already subscribe and read the free weekly e-report, fedmanager.com. 
I'm Todd Wells, Executive Director of the Federal Managers Association, and I approve this message. You're listening to Fed Talk on Federal News Radio, 1500 AM. Um, I do a lot of work uh, with government agencies, both representing them and then also, you know, representing employees of federal agencies. And um, one um, fairly new agency, CFPB, um, it's, I, I, I wonder if w- one of you could talk about how the design got implemented uh, because it is so modern. If, if anyone listening wants to go to it, you don't feel like you're at like, uh, DOJ, you know, with the big emblems. I mean, it's very clean and fresh. Um, and um, I don't know if Jen wants to talk about it, but um, can you tell me how it, it was started up? Yeah. Um, so the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, I think, is three or four years old now. Right. Um, they they started after the Dot Frank Act um, said. You know, we need an agency to help protect people from from the big banks and credit card companies. Um, and the they actually came to talk to .gov Design at our very first talk. And what they talked about was um, designing an in-house brand system for this agency for all of their internal and external um, communications in addition to their website. Um, they actually have a design manual um, I think it's called the Open Tech Design Manual online, and it it lets you see the brand that they use. Um, and I know they're working on a redesign of the current website right now, um, but you are able to go on and submit a complaint um, if you need to. That's their big their big thing. Um, and the the most exciting part is they are redesigning the website, and it's going to be hopefully responsive and allow you to get all the information you need, whether you're on a mobile device or a tablet or on the desktop. Yeah, that is the frustrating th- uh, thing with, I mean, it's not the only the government. There are some private sectors that are lagging behind um, the use of the, the phone. Um, and you pull up their website and it doesn't um, it doesn't work and it just drives you nuts. And you're like, well, I guess I won't be able to figure uh, out that information because I don't have access to a computer. Usually it's when I'm traveling. Um, where did they get all these designers to come in? And um, I, I imagine it's exciting as a designer. You know, you have ability to start fresh um, with new people. Um, but where did they where did they come from? Yeah, they um, they were able to bring in a group of thirty designers, or sorry, thirty designers and developers mm. all at one time um, a couple of years ago, called the Design and Technology Fellows. Um, and so they were able to completely you know, build this in-house team from, I think it was less than 10 people to up to around 60 or so people. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, in a very short amount of time. Um, so they, yeah, they've been able to develop this brand and develop all all the different web tools they have to help teach people um, about all the different financial services that they need to go around looking for on a regular basis. Hmm. And I know this is the second type of fellow we've heard today. Um, I, and so if anyone is listening is interested, um, are they people drawn from industry, from schools, or do you need a lot of experience to become a fellow? And how do you go about like trying to 
get one of these positions. Brianne, don't listen to this. You got to stay with us. So a lot of these, a lot of these fellowships and different ways of hiring are um, a lot more sort of creative and open than traditional, the traditional USA jobs going through the model. Although usually you do have to go through USA jobs. Mm. Um, but they are, it, it, it is kind of broadening who can um, get in. Most of the, most of the positions are term positions. So um, innovation, presidential innovation fellows, CFPB Technology and Innovation Fellows, USDS is hiring a lot right now. ATF is hiring. So, um, you know, check out USDS for sure for current hiring. And then the other one, the fellowships sort of flow in cycles. So you kind of have to um, get to know when, when that hiring mm, cycle okay. is. And I know that um, .gov Design, are you developing some sort of mentoring program so that you have these young designers that feel that they... Um, are finding what opportunities are out there and also, yeah. you know, what tools are needed? Yeah, I mean, I I think that, you know, their design has been happening in government for a very long time. We have some really incredible um, seasoned designers, like the ones at National Park Service or USAID. And um, it's almost, what we want to start is like a little knowledge sharing groups to kind of take that quarterly networking and make it more consistent and more intimate so that maybe you have three to five people who meet um, every month, it could be lunch or a phone call, and then you're sharing work across agencies and kind of helping with those struggles and problems that come up very specific to government. Um, so we're hoping to start these small groups and get that knowledge sharing happening um, really fluidly between agencies, especially for those designers we mentioned that are you know sitting alone in their whole big, huge department and don't have any anyone to critique their work or give them advice. And uh, USAID, was this one of the case studies you all learned about at uh, one of your seminars? Yeah, USAID spoke at our last conference. Oh. Um, Nan Dearborn is another designer who's been there for, I think, a couple decades as well. And she um, just has incredible um, experience um, working actually with vendors on um, really excellent marketing for some of their initiatives um, a couple that she mentioned were, was the End Extreme Poverty Campaign and Let Girls Learn. So um, she just has kind of all of that wealth of knowledge. That she And she's been so like open and generous with sharing it with all of us. I know you're having a conference this spring in May. Um, can you share with us any news about who's going to speak or um, what, what the focus is going to be on, Ashley? <clears throat> Absolutely. So the... The um, conference is really an opportunity for us to touch on so many topics that we wouldn't have the chance to um, to get in a, a one case study in our quarterly um, meetup. So we're making sure that we have a real diverse lineup so that whether you're in interactive or you focus primarily on print, there's something for you and you're going to get the most out of it as a government designer, as um, a creative who is who is looking to potentially work in government. Um, it's an all-day conference. We have some unconference sessions, as we like to call them, to make sure that um, everybody in the community has a chance to be heard and to lead a discussion. Um, and a few of the big speakers that we have include AIGA's new executive director, Julia Nexter, um, who is really just championing design um, uh, really globally uh, and making sure that designers have a seat at the table, that our experience and um, expertise is um, acknowledged, and that the importance of design is uh, 
is really understood as uh, foundational to innovation and change. So we're looking forward to to having her, and I think it'll bring some extra energy to um, to our lineup. We also have some folks from um, from the White House who will be speaking. Um, um, you guys want to talk to other people in the lineup? I think we're going to have an update from ATNF on um, what their next steps are on the U.S. web design mm-hmm. standards, which will be really interesting to hear after that first release and response um, where they're going to be taking the standards next. Okay. Jim, what do you think? How long have you been in the government? Four years? About three. Three. So what do you see as sort of the, do you think that people are developing um an appreciation for the design work, the need, now that everyone is really kind of living off the Internet and going to websites more and more? Or do you still see um, some blockades to um, recognizing the importance of what you all do? That's a really good question. Um, I think it, it kind of, it's both internally and to the government and externally. Um, ex- internally, I guess, or maybe this is both internally and externally, the community of designers and in general tech in government has grown so much over the past few years. It really is now a community where we can all meet up and talk um, to each other and share stories across it. Um, then internally, it's I think that it's been a teaching experience for people inside the government who have been there for a very long time, working very hard to do their jobs and to try and give these services to people to come in and think, oh, there's a different way I could be presenting this information or, you know, <laughs> these newcomers who, you know, don't necessarily look like what you expect a standard government employee to look like um, right, right. is going to come in and tell you that, you know, we want to do it this way. It's going to be better this way. <laughs> um, and I think over the past few years, we've we've really made some strides and been able to kind of prove the importance of having a designer at the table, having people there to really help move these things forward to do better work. And really, it's, um, it allows every government employee to be a designer and play a role in the design process because everyone can sort of be empathetic to their user users' needs and kind of join in that process of discovering the needs and finding solutions. So um, sometimes a designer can just come in and facilitate that process. Right, because we're all users. I mean, we may not <laughs> yeah. be using the actual website that yeah. of our particular agency, but we're all users in, in some form, and we know what drives us nuts, you know, the little sand thing that goes around and around. <laughs> and, and I find it helpful, too. Designers can often translate into technical terms when people are like, I just don't like how it feels, and it just, and a designer can take that and kind of help you unpack it and mm-hmm. say, oh, this is really the heart of the problem, and this is how we can fix it. Yeah, I mean, because you don't know how to express this. Sometimes I go to websites, um, not a federal, but a local area one that in the district I live, (laughs) and it's so busy on this unnamed Mm -hmm. uh, website. And I am trying to figure out where to go to go get the information I need. And I know that it's just my brain is not liking how it's designed, and I (laughs) maybe not be able to articulate it. Mm -hmm. And then I go to other websites, and it's like, Ah, oh, okay. This was so, so easy. So serene you know? right, compared right. to the other one. Yeah. <laughs> We're very stressful. Yeah. And so, you know, the psychology behind web design, I imagine, has to play a role because you're dealing with people's 
sort of um, animal instincts of, of what is too much color, mm-hmm. lines, you know, text. And I'm just like, oh, this is, I don't want to be on this page. And um, so, you yeah, know. Plain language is a really big part of um, of this movement as well. And there have been plain language champions in government forever. Um, but designers kind of are, are your best ally um, for that to, to speak at a really um, comprehensible level um, and, and also just less words. Like, let's say it more directly. Let's get some of the legalese out of there. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, one great example of that is an 18F project called Every Kid in a Park. Um, it's They work for the National Park Service, oh, Department yeah, of Interior. For the anniversary. And, um, yeah. yeah it so was... it gets every fourth grader the access to a national mm-hmm. park. Mm-hmm. Um, and they wrote that. The White House was supporting that as well, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. They, they, um, they had content designers writing the entire website at a fourth grade level. Down to, um, you know, when you apply, when the fourth grader applies for their application, kind of figuring out a way to um, cleanly and clearly explain what a zip code is in case a fourth grader doesn't know a zip code. Um, So they made a little illustration of an envelope and circled the address part and said, this is a zip code. Really smart. Um, That is really smart. I wonder, though, if people had felt pushback from, because I know sometimes I've found in organizations where you'll say we need to dumb this down or we need to be more personal. And then people above will say, but that doesn't sound professional. And so I wonder if you guys have ever encountered that. Yeah, I think um, one of the biggest things that kind of helps to solve that problem, and it doesn't always work, but user testing, um, usability testing or user research allows you to take that piece of content in front of the person you're trying to communicate it to, and they will tell you if they understand it or not. Mm -hmm. And then you can bring that information Mm -hmm. back to the lawyer, back to whoever is telling you, we want it this Take way the video instead. And go, Look, exactly. <laughs> and right. I mean, the point is, if you're not, if those words are not communicating what you're trying to say, then it's then you're not getting your point across. Right. Yeah. All right. So we've got to take our last break here. Um, we're going to stop to hear from our sponsor, and when we'll return, we'll wrap up our discussion. And you're listening to Fed Talk on Federal News Radio, 1500 AM. Make long-term care insurance part of your retirement plan. Long-term care is expensive, and it's not covered by traditional types of insurance plans. With benefits designed specifically for the federal family, the Federal Long-Term Care Insurance Program offers a smart way to help protect savings and assets and remain independent should you need long-term care services someday. Start planning for the future. Take the next step and visit ltcfeds.com today. That's ltcfeds.com. Welcome back to Fed Talk on Federal News Radio, 1500 AM. And we're entering our last segment of the show. I thought I'd start it off by um, referencing, I think that this president has been the first really to use social media um, in ways that prior presidents didn't necessarily have to because we all didn't have phones all the time with us. Um, Twitter, um, the, the White House feeds that, you know, for presentations and displays. And if any of the people that are listening have been to the whitehouse.gov website, it's really kind of been revamped, um, integrated with, if that's the right word, with um, um, YouTube or other means of social media, along with making things a little more accessible. Um, And, you know, it still looks professional, but it's, I don't want to say friendlier, but um, that's the word that comes to my mind. 
Friendly is um, good. Yeah, yeah we like friendly is good. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't want to say it's undignified. I don't want anyone to take my words out of context, but it is something that you, um, you feel comfortable kind of clicking around on the links. So, um, Molly, uh, how how did that come about? You know, is there a, a new team there as well? Yeah, I mean, new in that they've been there, you know, working hard for almost eight years now. Right, Um, well, right. Yeah, (laughs) they came, um, uh, one of the designers from the Office of Digital Strategies spoke at our conference last year and um, told us about their efforts to make that website um, just more open and accessible. They're also working to make it respond to all different screen sizes so you can um, access it really easily on your phone. And they've just done incredibly creative um, work on social media with them. different types of illustrations and videos and all sorts of different ways to engage Americans to communicate what the president is up to. Um, one of the one of their huge projects that they work on each year is the State of the Union. And they um, it's really been interesting to watch over the years how um, how much they produce for that for that, um, you know, short hour long speech um, lots of different social media graphics, and then they built a whole website to feed all those graphics um, oh, if wow. you were watching live on the live stream. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then you can take, um, as an American, if you're supporting what he's saying, you can take that graphic and share it on your Twitter, on your Facebook. And um, it's that, just... That's a little above my pay grade. I don't, know, I don't think I know how to do that. But <laughs> Well, they made it very easy on White House. Okay. Like, uh, if you had been watching the live stream. So um, it's been very cool to watch that kind of build and grow over the past okay. seven years. Yeah, I've gone to their live streams a few times, like with the Medal of Honor winner. Uh, there was one recently, uh, winner's the wrong word, um, award. Um, and um, and other other times I've gone there for live streaming, mm-hmm. um, but I haven't yet transferred it over to my Twitter feed or anything like that. And I saw that they're now doing Facebook live video. I saw something yesterday where... Um, it was something like your seat with Obama is ready, so pull up a chair, and so you could Facebook? watch. Yeah, huh. I think Facebook rolled out live video streaming for certain pages, and it's slowly coming out to more people. But yeah, the White House has really been on the forefront of every kind of new technology turn. They've been able to um, post to Medium and like join these like new new things right as they're happening, which is really great for the rest of. The federal government because we're able to say look the white house has figured yeah. it out and they're doing it and um you know if, if they can get approval for that i think we can we can try to do the same yeah. and are you finding that to be an issue funding approval across the board or are agencies they're slowly recognizing the need to you know attract new designers new ideas but also get the funding um for the projects for the studies with the fourth graders to make sure that they like filling out the form i mean that takes time and money, um, and I know that that is sometimes in short supply at places. Yeah, I'll take this one. I think that, um, you know, it it's never as easy as we would like, but there's, um, there's great change happening, and um, each of the examples we've talked about today becomes a case study in itself for agencies to um, advocate for the resources to have um, human-centered designer advocating for their users in-house and to put research into, um, uh, put the funds into the user uh, research component to make sure that they understand the needs of their users. Um, and, and part of what our group is about is making sure that we know all of those stories so mm-hmm. we can really share knowledge and um, and similar to the web design standards with all other practices, even if it's, you know, getting through the red tape, how did you do that? 
what case did you make um, to help get that approval process going through? Um, who did you collaborate with to, to get that done and make sure that that knowledge um, is extended uh, across all agencies and not siloed between them? Because then everybody is just doing the same work, trying to get the same um, progress when we can kind of sh- we can share that and uh, and really uh, ramp up and um, uh, get so much more done in the time that we have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so if um, people wanted to get more information about your group, where would they go? Because I, um, I went to AIG, is it A? <laughs> and actually I Googled it. And I got to the website and then I got to the DC chapter. Is that just the easiest way to do it? or You can go directly to dc.aiga.org um, to learn more about um, the local chapter of the Professional Association for Design or .gov Design specifically. We also have um, a Twitter account, so you can follow us there. Okay. .gov Design and um, a Facebook page, which is just facebook.com slash .gov Design. And for like the meetups, um, mm-hmm. <clears throat> can you just show up with your sketch pad? I don't know if anyone, if we talked about this in detail, but they have these meetups where you know, you can come to, um, it's a local um, bar restaurant and um, have a happy hour with your sketch pad and talk design with your fellow designers. And is that something people can pop in or? Um, Absolutely. We host those once a month. Uh, we call them um, drink and draws. You can drink a soda or the beverage of your choice and come with a sketchbook or um, grab a cocktail napkin um, and just meet with others where you are and kind of doodle on your own or or, um, or chat, and you're welcome to just drop by. Uh, we, we post it on the AIGA website um, in advance and tweet about it and share it on social media. So um, we hope everyone just comes out. And with the Doc of Design, um, uh, you all were in the private sector, and then you transferred over. So they can go to the conference or to these case studies, even if you're not involved in the government at the moment, Absolutely. Anyone. We um, we have a lot of participation from um, government contractors who are doing great design and technology work, but anyone can come. If you want to hear about great design happening in government, please join us. Do you ever hear uh, from folks that are in other parts of the the country or in other industries going, great design in government? Are you kidding? (laughs) But it's true. I mean, you know, if you really, people should go out on the websites and look at the various agencies. I mean, you can tell when there's been sort of a design coup, if you will, because the websites are slowly evolving and changing. Absolutely. And uh, you actually bring up a good point. We've you know, now that the model of design within government is able to adapt and become um, more modern, we're seeing that we have government designers now working on the West Coast. Oh, wow. Or um, for ATF, for example, and other agencies and, and really around the country. Um, uh, and then you have local designers working in government for their, uh, you know, their state or uh, municipality. So we really want to engage that broader community with all the work that we're doing. So we started a webcasting our quarterly events to make sure that wherever you are, you have the opportunity to join us. And we live tweet and we oh, do wow. everything that we can to make sure that um, that everybody's able to participate if they have an interest. And for those quarterly events, they're posted on social media. And is there a listserv or... Um, absolutely. We have an email list. So um, on the AIJ website, you can sign up to learn more. And we 
we'll make sure that you're aware of the next quarterly meetup or the upcoming conference um, or just generally some of the news of what's happening in the community. And I hear we're, we're finally, um, we're not finally, I shouldn't say it, it <laughs> USA Jobs is getting updated um, and getting modern like the other websites. Um, and that's where you would go to look for these opportunities that you all um, are are using and employing the fellows and um, or more permanent jobs as designers? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, our, our social media accounts are promoting those jobs when they come up. I think USDS, you can look for jobs, 18F. Um, so don't just look on USA Jobs. There's okay. lots of other places okay. to look. I'm still scarred, you know, <laughs> but it's been a while, so I don't want to besmirch those designers that are working on it right now. It's, it's going to be great. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be so good. I'm sure it's better than it was 10 years ago, so, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Jen's quiet. <laughs> <laughs> well, they even have a video I saw that details all the updates of the new site, so. Good. All right. So that's all we have for the show today, and thank you for joining us. I really had a wonderful time talking to you all. Fed Talk is brought to you by the federal employment law firm, Michelle Bransford and Roth. And have a good weekend, everybody. And thanks again. And go to the website and learn all about web design. Um, bring your sketch pad if you live in the D.C. area and go to one of the happy hours. Even if you don't sketch, Brion, you can you can hang out and talk design. <laughs> and, all um, are welcome. Yeah, there you go. Thanks again. Bye-bye.